Well, good morning on this beautiful Thursday in the 18th week, the Feast of the Transfiguration. This particular feast day took on a special meaning for me uh, really during my seminary experience. It had always been mysterious to me, this transfiguration event and where did it occur? Mount Hermon, Mount Nebo, historians don't really know. And the geographic location is less important than the event itself. At Mount Angel, when I arrived there in 2014, the then serving abbot, Abbot Gregory, who'd been on that hilltop for 65 years, <laughs> cloistered existence, had the practice of having taken a picture on the morning of August 6th, every August 6th, at that point, for over 20 years, maybe 25 years at that point. And that's because, interestingly enough, uh, where, from the, where, the abbot sit, or where the abbey sits, when you look to the northeast from the garden of the abbey, the sun ascends directly behind the very top pinnacle of Mount Hood and it forms this perfect yellow ball, this golden orb directly above the tip of Mount Hood from the Abbey Garden. And that's the photo he had taken year after year after year. He had them in a binder in those slip covers. And here's this holy man now well into his 80s, advanced in years. And uh, when I entered seminary there, he came to a briefing in, in a room. The new, new arrivals were in this room receiving an orientation, and all he did was flip page after page after page through that binder, and it was the same photo taken year after year after year. And this holy man who, who himself emitted his own glow of joy, didn't say anything, except this at the end. He shows us these photos very methodically and then says, when you can understand the beauty of this, then you understand this hilltop. And that was it. It's all the great abbot had to say. It took on another meaning on that same hilltop just three years ago, as we know, we recall the great solar eclipse that occurred, the total eclipse, and here, even in Idaho, you saw the shadow. Well, on that promontory, Mount Angel sits on a hilltop 500 feet above the valley floor, the surrounding Willamette Valley. And that day, we were gathered in August of 2017 <clears throat> on that hilltop. It's now two and a half weeks after the Transfiguration Feast. And the eclipse occurs, as you'll recall. I think it was August 21st. And on that hilltop, the sky did darken. The entire sky became dark on the hilltop. But because we're on a hilltop and have clear view of 360 degrees, looking out 40, 50 miles, 360 degrees, all directions, we see this light 360 degrees away, 40 miles or so distant. We can see bright light. So we're sitting basically in a shadow, but we can see the corona. It's the, it's the shadow of the moon on the earth and we can see its termination we can see its perimeter around us and brings me to tears the whole hilltop spontaneously broke into Salve Regina it was it was breathtaking we saw a manifestation of God's creative glory on the earth and here I am in this monastic setting with it was life-changing. 
So the Transfiguration gives us uh, great encouragement in our faith. Now we're so blessed here at St. Thomas. Uh, we have this window here uh, that you'll uh, turn your attention to. This is the image of the Garden of Gethsemane, but it's the same Peter, James, and John, the sentiment three who are with our Savior at, at, throughout his ministry, but in these specific moments. The Transfiguration is one of them. In the future, they will be with him at the Garden of Gethsemane, this intimate knowing. And who are this, right? Peter, James, and John. Peter, uh, Peter who will lead the church initially. James will lead the church in Jerusalem. John, who gives us the great gospel and the book of Revelation. These three are so significant in the early formation of our faith that it was important, obviously, for Christ to anchor them in the truth of who he is. Who he is, not who he was or who he's going to be, who he is. So his transfiguration gives us evidence in this event. We can call out several examples. Obviously, the Lord himself, his glory is. And so it was important for Peter, James, and John to see who he is, who he is. He is the Son of God. He is God. Moses evidences the redeemed, doesn't he? Moses died and was buried. But here he is in glory, having a conversation in real time with our Savior and with Elijah. And so Moses perhaps indicates to us the redeemed, those who've gone to sleep in the faith will rise in the faith and be present with our Lord in glory. Elijah likewise evidences for us what we call the translated. Those who are alive at Christ's return who will be brought instantly into glory when our Lord comes back. Those who are living then when that event occurs will be translated instantly into that glorious moment through their walk in faith. Peter, James, and John is the now. It's the now in the church, aren't they? They are right now the followers of Christ living. They are witnessing this transfiguration live. They are enshrouded in that cloud, that presence of God. They hear our Father's voice. They are the now. And the people at the foot of the hill, all the rest, the other disciples and everyone else that was being ministered to in that gathering at the base of the hill, that's the future church. That's us. We received that message of Peter, James, and John from their experience on the hilltop. So the redeemed, the translated, the glorious Savior himself, the church of now, Peter, James, and John, and the church of the future are all present in that miraculous event that occurred. Moses, as we know, representing the law. Elijah representing the prophets. The fullness of Christ's prophecies, the prophecies of Christ, rather, through as we heard today from Daniel, we heard as well from Peter affirming the same. We do not follow cleverly devised myths. When, when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's going to write those words after Christ has ascended. The power of Christ that he saw, that he physically experienced, not only in that transfiguration moment, but in his own walking on the water, in the healing of his mother-in-law, in the many miracles in which he was an active witness. Peter is speaking to the power of Christ manifest in his life. That is how, when we wonder why, and people try to understand, how is it that Christianity spread so fast after Christ's ascension? How did that happen? How is it that more than 10% of the known world was Christianized within several decades of Christ's ascent. How can that be? Because the witnesses to Christ's story, the witnesses to Christ's ministry and his life were grounded in the proof of what they saw and what they lived and what they experienced. 
All those people healed. You think they didn't tell his story? You think they didn't go about saying, no, this, I was lame, now I walk. I was blind, now I see. My loved one was oppressed by some investiture of, of evil, and now they're free and rid of all of that. That happened, and those people told the story. They experienced it. We ourselves go through our own transfiguration through the course of time. The greats write of that, certainly in Paul's letter to the Romans. In chapter 12, we're told that we ourselves are transformed by the indwelling of Christ. That light that sits within us, that we receive in our baptism, written onto our soul, that we are continually improved upon and continually made stronger through the sacramental life of the church. That light, that little kindled flame continues to grow and grow and grow. And we get to a point where ideally Christ's presence within us emanates so that when people encounter us, that is what they experience. The presence of Christ encountered first before they have an encounter or an understanding of our own individual personality. The first experience of encounter is one of Christ's presence. John Henry Newman, great 19th century leader in our faith, wrote many, many beautiful prayers. I'd like to share one with you today. It's one he wrote for consideration or reflection after we received the Blessed Sacrament in the Eucharist. But I offer it today on this Transfiguration morning. The great Newman writes, Dear Jesus, help us to spread your fragrance everywhere we go. Flood our souls with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess our whole being so utterly that our lives may be only a radiance of yours. Shine through us and be so in us that every soul we come in contact with may feel your presence in our soul. Let them look up and see no longer us, but only see Jesus. Stay with us, and then we shall begin to shine as you shine, so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be ours. It will be you shining on others through us. Amen.